Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last conversation. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thanks for coming back. For everyone else out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers. Cheers. Yay. Cheers. Getting things set off appropriately on a dreary Sunday afternoon. Oh, it's lovely. With a 10.5% stout from good old Kalamazoo, Michigan. Shout outs to Bell's Brewing. Longtime sponsors of the podcast. That is a lie. That is a fucking I lie. <laughs> one can dream. You know, one can dream. Yeah. Yes. So I am sitting here today with. Three members. Is there other people in your band? Nope. This is it. Three is thirds. It. A collective unit. Everybody, please make some noise. Mellow Escape. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for having this us. This is man. great. So, why are you here? Why do you make music? You look old enough to know better. Oh, man. I <laughs> feel old enough to know better. <laughs> yep. For sure. Yeah, no, we just make music because it's um, it's a really uh, profitable business, obviously. <laughs> and uh, sure. you know, your family loves it when you tell them that you're you're in a band and you're playing local shows. That's yeah. that's why we're into it. Yeah. And they come to every one, every, every single, single one. show. Single one. <laughs> yep, that's right. Nice. So let's do the 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 quick story real quick. When did you three start making music together? Okay. Yeah, we'll just we'll give the full backstory. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go for it. We can do that. Um, yeah, so Robbie and I are brothers, and we've been doing the whole music thing pretty much our whole lives. A long time. Um, so that's like, I feel like a lot of people might be able to relate to that with their siblings. Um, and then I, I went to Pittsburgh, or I came to Pittsburgh in 2015 to go to Pitt, and uh, about halfway through, we started a band called Mellowscape mm -hmm. uh, in my the, the basement of my apartment. Um and we didn't really have a plan necessarily. We just wanted to make music. And I had a buddy in college that played bass. Um, so for the first two years, uh, starting in 2017 to 2019, we were just Mellowscape playing basement shows in Oakland. Yeah, um, a lot of covers. A lot of covers. A lot yeah. of music writing, but a lot of covers. Mm -hmm. um, and we had two other members in the band, um, and then in 2019, they they went their separate ways. Um, and then I was at brunch one day with Chaz and some of my friends. And I was like, man, band's not doing so hot. We need a bassist at least. And uh, Chaz was like... Yeah, I was like, well, uh, I've been playing bass since high school. And uh, I hadn't really been playing at the time with anybody. And the thing was like, man, we just got rid of our bassist and our, our, our guitarist. They just kind of went their separate ways would be really nice if someone I knew played bass. And I was like, hey, I happen to play bass. So I think like that weekend I stopped by or the next weekend I stopped by to the basement, um, showed up with a tiny amp in my bass and was yeah. like, I have no idea what you guys play, but I'm here now. So that's kind of how I got involved. So that was August of 2019. Yeah. And yeah. since then, it's, it's just been the three of us um, just writing, writing a lot, making music and playing some local shows. Yeah. Cool. So... Your experience then as a band, like starting to play shows, maybe in general, was that like 
birthed in like the Oakland basement scene or had you been like playing other shows locally prior to that? No, that was, that was in South Oakland, right? As far as yeah. like Mel Escape goes, that mm-hmm. was the start sure. was, um, yeah, just playing local shows and basement parties in, in South Oakland. Um, and then a few shows on the South side, but for a while it was just South O. Yeah. So. And funny enough, before I joined the band, like a year or a year and a half before I joined the band, I had a house party at my house in South O cause I knew Nathaniel through a pit. Uh, and I had Mel Escape play there long before I even thought about joining the band or that was even on the table. Yeah. So yeah, no, definitely Mel Escape is rooted in the danky, cheap basements of South Oakland with a bunch right. of twenty-two-year-old kids running around. Right. We don't we don't do that anymore. No. But that was a humble yeah. beginning for sure. Yeah. yeah, I've had this conversation with people before. Maybe you can relate to this. There's like always this moment when you realize that like this just isn't it anymore, mm-hmm. and it's really bittersweet. But there's something kind of weird about being in your mid-20s in a basement with a bunch of underage kids drinking. It's just like, I probably shouldn't be here anymore. Right. It's weird. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but, totally. But you got to, you know, you got to move on eventually. Some point, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so, I think we had that moment with one of our basement shows after I had joined. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a lot of work to get into the basement there were a couple bands a wide range of like <laughs> expectations from bands and it was a fun time but we ended up starting playing at like 12:45 in the morning oh right yeah. and at the end of it we we're like okay that will that might be the last basement show for a while. That, no, we did one after that, and oh, nobody was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually, the breaking point. I actually completely forgot about that show. I <laughs> yeah. completely blacked that out of my memory. Yeah. So thanks, thanks, Robert. You're welcome. I'm getting that out of the nooks and crannies of, of my mind. So the interesting thing, what I want to ask about is, I know a lot of bands that kind of had a start outside of scenes like the Oakland scene. So they have an idea of like how the music scene works outside of the Oakland scene because those scenes can be really like insular. And I think that it could be weird kind of like, what do you do after that, right? Right. Because sometimes those shows can be really, really awesome. I mean, a lot of the people aren't there to necessarily listen to your band, but there's people there and it's maybe you'll get still loop some of them in, right? But like after this, like, okay, we're going to leave this nest, but we want to continue as a band. Like, how do you do that? And then even worse, how do you do that in 2020? It was probably a really unfortunate time for a lot of things to happen with you guys, right? Yeah. So, well, in 2018 and 2019, we did um, this festival called called Yin's Fest. Um, I don't know if you had heard of it, Um, but basically we just applied and we got a spot um, and the festival was great. We did it for two years in a row, Um, but I think the, what was even better about that experience was we met a lot of bands and a lot of people in the out the scene outside of south o basement shows um and so with those bands that we met that's how we were sort of able to break out because then we could actually start scheduling shows at venues with other bands so yeah 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 i think that it can be sometimes a little intimidating to reach outside of like your comfort zone as a band and trying to find like shows who to hit up. I think that it's like a a much bigger hurdle than a lot of people put an emphasis on, but it's weird because like everybody's always looking for new bands for shows and new bands to play with. But simultaneously there's always this feeling that like nobody wants to talk to me. Like who am I? Right. That's a, that's a strange thing. It is a tough, like, field to navigate because you everybody wants to play shows right but 
who's going to schedule them, who do you want to play with. Sometimes we play shows and it's with a band that we were like, we're never going to play with them again. No hard feelings, <laughs> but didn't work out. Um, but then there are other bands that you meet that are fantastic and you want to keep playing with them. So mm-hmm. I think it's uh, all that you have to learn just by doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nathaniel, Robbie and I talk about this a lot where it's like, one of the hardest parts about when you go to a show is like, all right, let's just, we got to walk around. We got to talk to the bands. We got to kind of introduce ourselves. We got to talk about what we're doing, maybe things that we got coming up. And it's always super awkward at first. Like I think, you know, you're walking up to the band, they're at the little table and they're just kind of in their own little bubble. But we've definitely noticed that it pays off big time that when you introduce yourself, they almost seem like, Oh, thank God. Someone's, someone's kind of breaking the ice with that. And then we kind of start to develop our network. And we've, we've noticed like, on social media, bands kind of reaching out to us, or even just like we post a picture from a show and bands that played three shows ago with us being like, Hey, that looks great. Like, nice job. You know what I mean? Yeah, just kind of right. building that network just through the little kind of hard, awkward things. Right. Yeah. I think that no matter what, communication is one of the most important things. Sometimes it's more important than like your music even being good. There's mm-hmm. been bands throughout the years that we've played shows with and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be rude, but this band is dog shit, but they are so fucking fun to hang out with. I'll play another show with them. I do not care. And they show up ready. Yeah. They show up like they're kind of like, you know, professional in the sense that like, Oh, that band was there on time. Uh, they had their act together. They rolled up with the crowd and they were just cool to hang out with. Sure. Yeah, sure. And like something being air quote dog shit, right. is very subjective. Because sometimes, say it's just a new band. Like, they need that stage time to get better at what they're doing. And if you can kind of see something there, it's helpful to facilitate that. Um, you know, I play in a, a heavy metal band, and sometimes people in that community can be, for the most part, they're pretty nice. But that's any, I'm sure this happens in any genre of music. Um, Sometimes there are some people, usually in bands, not like people that just go to shows, but other people in bands like, ah, fuck that band. They suck or whatever. It's just like, but they're really cool and they bring people and they're really nice. It's like not everything needs to be the most brutal, scary, like fit into the box of what you think like a heavy metal show should look like. Yeah, it's definitely an important quality to, uh, I guess, just maintain your band etiquette at shows. I think that's really important. We were talking about this the other day, um, which we have, what, three rules? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Show up on time, like, you know, at the call time. Uh, play the the amount of time that you were allotted. Don't go over your set, please. That's a big one. That's a big one. Huge. And also, also, the most important, I guess, as important as, like, introducing yourself to other bands is um, stay for the whole show, like, as much as you can. Stay like, for the other bands. Stay for the other bands, mm-hmm. like... Because you don't know what you're going to learn when you watch other bands, um, who you're going to meet. Right. So I think that's really important. Might make a really great connection that you need in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that there's a lot to learn from being at shows and like even watching either bands that you discover, you're like, wow, this is great. I'm glad that I stayed and you know didn't worry about getting the Taco Bell before the drive through closed or whatever right. drama makes somebody leave a show, right? Um or sometimes you might just see a band that doesn't quite have it yet. But sure. you're noticing that something that they're doing on stage that's kind of dumb is something that you do too. And you're like, oh shit, like yeah. maybe I need to stop doing that. I didn't realize how silly this is. Yeah. Do you ever like videotape your sets and watch them? We 
I tried to like try. whoever goes to the show. I'm like, hey, can you get like uh-huh. something? You know, but there's always there's always a problem with that lighting or something, and we yeah. just never quite get yeah. it. Yeah, um, I I do remember we the la- that last basement show that we played that was just terrible because nobody showed up and it was oh, yeah. an awful night. Um, I set up my field recorder in the corner of the room just to hear the audio to listen back to. And that was a very humbling moment. I think for all of us, <laughs> we were like, uh, okay, let's, let's fix some things. You just, just yeah. based on the audio, not even the visuals. Yeah. So. It's one of those weird things that I think, I mean, for one, a lot of people, for, I think for a very long time, nobody really had access to just like technology where they could just put something in the corner of a room. But now like most cell phones will record okay enough audio that you can tell if you played a good set or not. Right. For sure. So, yeah. you know, why not just set that thing, you know, behind your guitar cab before a show and see what happens. Yeah. It doesn't I, have to be like content. You know, it's like we're not posting this on Instagram or anything. It's like just actually like an archive something to review and see what you're actually doing because like your friends that come out to see you aren't going to be like, yo, like, your rhythm section's off. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah. It's, it's like the color correction thing that we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. Nobody's going to say that to me. Right. Yeah, no one's going to be like, hey, on the bridge of this song, you were like kind of late coming into that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but we we definitely would like agonize over those things. Yeah. Um, we started to do a lot of like in our own little studio space doing like live versions of songs then posting on, onto our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And we've I think we've learned a lot just from that experience mm-hmm. because what we sound like in our head Usually is pretty close to what we sound like, actually. But then we're like, "Ooh, this this we need spot to run here. a metronome over that yeah, spot, yeah, yeah over big over time, over big yeah. time." So kind of like the same thing with playing live. Like you learn so much just from you know watching the tape, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot I think that goes into just putting a song together that people unfortunately don't always see, and I guess that's just kind of like the curse of any art, right? Like nobody knows how many times or how many brush strokes it took to finish whatever fantastic painting. And nobody knows how many hours you spent, uh, you know, looping over some weird progression in a 10 second part of a song. So you could all get it completely yeah. right. Right. But, uh, you know, and I think that it's really important as a band, it's like weird because as entertainers, you want to provide for the audience. And a lot of times the crowd's not going to know the difference between like, if that's a little bit off or not, but also you all want to have a good time on stage and playing. And you have that experience of just knowing that you're in a room with other people that are willing to like put in that work to make it that extra, that thing, like that extra better. That's not the right, make it that extra better. Little flash that on the screen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Write that down. You you understand what I'm saying though. And, uh, that's cool. It seems like there's a really good uh, gelling of minds and creative interest and passion and drive going on here. It seems like everybody really digs it. Yeah. You like what you're doing. Yes. Definitely. Yes, we do. We are very self-aware of our work. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were talking, we were talking about like field recorders and stuff, uh, but we have a Google drive that has like, pretty much everything that we do, even if it's just a really rough take of a song that we wrote, we just, we have everything on there. Um, but other than that, I think we all like the music we make. I yeah. hope. Right. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. We, we love the music we make. No, yes, but for, for real, I think we have a lot of fun writing and, and making music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big part of that is that 
we all kind of come from a different musical like perspective mm-hmm. on what we do. Um, we all don't listen to the same kind of music. No, we all come from like we have a lot of overlap between the music that we listen to, but it's kind of fun when we're working on a song, seeing what direction each of us will take it in, because what I might be like, oh, this would be a great transition to the next part. Nathaniel will have a completely different view on it, and Robbie will too. And usually we kind of weave them all together. Like there's not one dominating perspective on it, but it's so much fun just to get together with people who think differently while also like coming together in that like music space. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you see throughout time, there's been bands where like the band notoriously has like the songwriters. Mm -hmm. And then the other people were just, they're there. They're They're doing an important thing, but it's, but it's different. And then I think it's a lot harder to do what you're doing sometimes, unless there's a certain willingness to just drop the ego you know, and understand that maybe like everybody has the same goal, which is to write a good song at the end of it. It doesn't necessarily matter if it's 100% your vision or your vision or whatever, right? It's everybody just wants to make a good song. So yeah. let's explore all the avenues and figure out the best route on the uh, the creative GPS. I think it also takes a lot of trust too, because sometimes Robbie might come up with like a guitar riff and I'm like, I don't know. And then we start writing the rest of the song and I'm like, that slaps. And it makes yeah. sense. That slaps, yeah. yeah. There's, so. a, there's an ongoing joke in the group that whenever Nathaniel or I present a song to the group, um, Robbie at first is like, I don't, I don't really I don't really know about this. For and like after three like, weeks. But three weeks later, he's very like, vocal he's like my I, man, that song, I just, oh, I just can't get it out of my it's head. so good, yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's great because like, when Robbie has the hesitation, he's not like, no, no, forget this, screw this shit, like I'm out. He's like, all right, let's let's see where it goes. Right, right. I give it a chance. I give yeah. it two weeks is my rule. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> two two weeks of practice. <laughs> yeah, three yeah. weeks, give, give three, yeah. maybe four. But yeah. but it always works out because, like you said, like we all kind of just drop the egos on it and just kind of be like, well, this is this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes too, it takes time for whatever a song is going to be. It takes time for that to really evolve and to fall into place, you so know? Definitely. Sometimes you got to let it marinate for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know how like pasta is always better left over? Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. it sits in the fridge for a bit and then you reheat it and you're like, okay, now it's ready. Like it was fine yesterday, but now as one might say, it slaps, right? There right. you go. So music can be like that in a lot of ways too. Sometimes there's that thing like, oh, like I'm, I'm picking up a... I'm, I think this is a stout and then I take a sip of it and oh, it's a fucking IPA. That wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the moment when like you have a, like, here's an idea for a song. There's like a song in your head that is playing against what you're being presented and sure. you're like, this doesn't sound right. It's not what I was vibing with. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes, there's no right or wrong answer here. Yeah. Sometimes there's a nice surprise actually happened to us this week with um, Chaz was trying to write like a little meme, like spooky song for October or whatever. Right. And um, you originally wanted it to be like 80s rock yeah. inspired. And then it turned weird. into Frank Sinatra. Then it turned into Frank Sinatra <laughs> at one point. And then now it's like. And now it's funk. Funk. Yeah. Yeah. We really, we really went all over the map with yeah. that. So for sure. Uh, at least we landed somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Just jumping through the decades. Yeah. Very Bill and Ted. <laughs> oh, <you know. laughs> There's a profound lack of Halloween songs out there, and we're just trying to fill that void, uh, whether it's uh, funk or, or disco or Frank Sinatra, you know? Oh, disco. We'll write, we'll yeah, we didn't do that. We'll write that down. <laughs> oh, man. That down. Yeah. So in terms of 
you know, like Mellowscape as a band. It seems like you're bringing a lot of ideas to the table, but in terms of like, if you had to like put your, your like your <laughs> fucking date myself, if you had to put your compact disc in a retail store, Whoa. what section would you want the Mellowscape CD to be in? I didn't know what any be of in? those words meant. You guys <laughs> CD. Yeah. CD. CD. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's round. There's a limited amount of songs on one disc. Does that ring a bell? Okay, but I'll, I'll need to Google. No. The, I'll need to Google this later. <laughs> Can't shuffle them. Can't sh- no. What one the fuck. Linear. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, no, we. I think we would label us. I guess as alternative rock. I think that fits us the best. But you know, we we like our funk and our punk and uh, indie. Yeah. And we're we're all over the map a lot of the times, but I, I hate how like cliche that sounds to be right. like, well, you can't put us in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like but you, you know, can't. There's a lot of influence and I think um altogether it sounds like Mellowscape. It right. sounds cohesive. It is one sound. But there sure. there are many wells that we're drawing from, if that makes sense. So Sure. I totally yeah. get it. As somebody that has made a lot of different music myself and been in projects it's like we can't decide what the fuck we want to be i just try not to think about it it's like the art is like a representation of me as a person not the genre or the subgenre of as, as a thing so it's just it just needs to be me right and right whatever it is to you that's fine i think that um i don't know there's a over time when do you think people started putting genres onto different styles of music because hmm. that, that couldn't have been a thing like back in the day no. like you know they weren't like i not to like put my tinfoil hat on but i think <laughs> it was kind of like a capitalist move sure like, people didn't do it as a general audience but then you know somebody who owned record labels was like okay this is gonna we're we're gonna call it this and sell it to this audience and we're gonna call it this and sell it to that so i don't think it's as sadistic as it was like that but you know, I think it is now. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think it really is now. Okay, but uh, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm that's my theory. I don't know if that's true. I'm not. You know, I'm not a history major or anything. Sure. I yeah. I mean, I think history. part of it too is like availability of music was different a hundred years ago. True. Sure. So a hundred years ago, whatever music you had in front of you, whatever music you know, maybe a local group was playing, or whatever you had on phonographs or whatever, that's just like what you had. But then maybe in like 60s, 70s, when the radio started to be able to play, like you had a country radio station, you had a, a rock, you had a pop. That's when I feel like the genre started to channelize. But now with so much more availability, that the genre things almost exploded to some extent, mm-hmm. while also some people are channeling a lot, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. I talk to fewer and fewer people that are like, oh, I only listen to blank genre. I hear a lot of people who are like, oh, I like, you know, I like rap, but I like some, you know, country, but some, fo- they're just kind of like across the, across the board. Um, and a lot of modern artists, I, I don't even know what I would put them in. No. Like I think, in terms of genre wise. I think what's really polarizing is that there's this, um, there's like people who are trying to make it more ambiguous. Like they like everything, everything is gelled together, but then there are also like these people that try to create micro genres of this is, this kind of rock is you know, shoegaze, you know, like gum on my shoe kind of indie rock. And then you have these other people who are like, this is black death core, whatever metal. And they try to specify exactly every single micro genre. I think it kind of boils down to there are people that like songs that are catchy and have hooks. And there are people that like 
songs that aren't catchy that are more like these weird art pieces, whether, whether it's like, you know, a my bloody Valentine sort of just droning on sure. overrated rock band. Sorry. I just don't really like my bloody Valentine, but I get <laughs> it. I fucking get it. Um, I mean, God, you know, I, I still listen to fucking corn. So, you know, give me a fucking Oof. break. You know, I'm not, I'm not a fucking bastion of taste or anything like that. You like what you like, but sure. the thing is, is like, there are, you know, people that are like, Oh, with heavy metal. Like I like fucking Metallica or I like Slipknot. It's like, okay, these are bands that are writing radio rock, radio rock songs that are a little heavy. Right. And then there are people like, I like cannibal corpse. There's no hook in a cannibal corpse song. It's just brutality right. and groove. It's cool, but they're just two different things. And I think you can kind of get that with different genres. Of course. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I don't know how we went down this rabbit hole of genres. It's a podcast. True. It's just, you, you just fall you fall into something and you just go for it. But I was asking about the section of the CD store back when CD oh, stores yeah, existed. Right, right, right. right. And we're back full circle now. Yeah. yeah. And where where you would want the Mellow Escape CD to be, what section you would want it to be in. I guess Alt-Rock would cover all the bases. Yeah. yeah. I guess. That's where I would find it. Or I would put one of our CDs in every single section. Ooh. So little, little Mellow Escape scavenger yeah. hunt. And it's, it is what you make of it. You know, it's whatever genre that you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to shove a genre down our fans' throats. Fans. Right. Our fans. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I'd like them to decide what it is for yeah. themselves. Also, like Brian said, if you like it, you like it. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So Yeah. I think that it's really important to just, especially now, it seems that the way a lot of people consume music on a, a bigger scale is through a lot of social media and like people having an interest in the personality of the people that are making the art. And like the art is almost not as important as the person. That can sometimes be different for bands than it is for like individual artists like a Drake or somebody like that, right? right? Um, but I think that it's just important to be genuine and to be yourself. And that's like how you can really bring something new to the table that people are going to want to like take with them and make a part of their lives. Because like at this point, nobody really needs another rock and roll song. Nobody no. really needs another rap song. Like that's like, but somehow people find ways to make people give a shit about what they're doing. And they just tend to be like these really interesting people. I the music sounds the same as it ever has. Right. They're just, it's like a new friend and you're like, Oh cool. I like this new person. Yeah, for sure. I think people are really good at spotting fakers. Like I think people as a whole are really good at spotting people who are trying to put on errors about what they are or aren't. And like you said about at the end of the day, like music art as a whole, just, trying to get out there and doing your own thing people will gravitate it towards to gravitate towards it or not just based on if they like it or not but yeah try and like be some other band that you're not usually doesn't work out Never too works. great mm -hmm. it's kind of i mean we're gonna go down a, a social media rabbit hole here feel free to pull yourselves out if you don't want to go down it <laughs> but there's always the the conversation about the algorithm and sure. nobody's seeing my posts and things like that. And I think the issue isn't necessarily 
some devious algorithm that's hiding your content from your fans. I think it's just most people post stuff that's boring that people are just going to scroll past. Right. You know, like nobody cares that we're in the studio. Like here's a here's a picture of the computer screen with fucking Pro Tools. Who cares? Right. You know, but like we could post like some dumb, goofy little meme and people will, because it's something actually for them to engage with. So I think that a lot of bands sometimes need to be a little bit more creative with what they are deciding to put out and how much they're putting stuff out. I have some friends that post stuff, you know, every day because they feel like they absolutely have to. But it's, I mean, I've like unfollowed their pages because I'm just tired of seeing it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's too much. Right. Oversaturated. Just tell so me, quickly. tell me when something's happening. Like, okay, you're, you put out a new song. Great. I love even bands that I love to death. It's just like I don't need to see every single thing, but maybe there are people that do need that. I don't know. I think that I interact differently with the internet than like, you know, an 18-year-old kid that, you know, some rock bands probably trying to really market towards. I don't know. Considering how often we post on social media, I'd say we're pretty safe. Yeah. <laughs> Oversaturating. Yeah. Yeah. We post like maybe once every two weeks or something. Maybe. Like we try to be consistent and make sure that the post, whatever we're posting is like engaging. Like we yeah. put out a new video on our YouTube channel or we are playing a show. Um, it's never just like, you know, hey, Robbie's playing guitar Check out today. My new car. <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or like there's like sometimes you can do these things where it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to put, I guess people can promote their band however they want, but let's say you're a band and your band, the people in your band also run a blog and then your band puts out an album and then you have an album review released on the blog that the people in your band run and you promote that on your band's page. Oh, it's man. kind of a weird look, right? It's like a yeah. snake eating yeah. its own tail. Like. Yeah, it's it's like I'm glad that you put out the record, but we don't need this like incestuous fabricated album <laughs> review. Yeah. yeah, it's a little strange to me, but that's stuff that people do because, and I think it really goes back to a bigger problem where it's like I don't think that they want to trick people into thinking that they're getting good album reviews. I think that they feel that they need to post something in order to be relevant, which is like a bigger problem. I wish that like more bands just would relax on that sort of stuff. I don't think that we all don't need to be Pepsi and Starbucks and Taylor Swift. It's just not, we don't, they, all of those people have people that get paid a full-time salary to create their social media marketing for them. Yeah. We should not feel the need to like compete with that. I don't think it's good for your brain unless like you genuinely want to, like if you have an interest in it and you want to do it, cool. But I think like, I just so frequently see bands like forcing themselves and forcing this creativity. And I think it just causes burnout. Oh, it and it's like, so stale. I think yeah. it fucks up the morale too of the band. Cause like you're trying to post something all the time unless people are going to engage with it. So you're going to think that nobody cares about you as a person because your art is so tied to who you are as a human being. And, uh, but that's not true. People just don't need to see Facebook updates from you every day. Yeah. And I think, sorry, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, going back to like what Robbie said, I think, 
people or Chaz, you said it um, about people can spot like fake content creators. And I think that's our sort of thing is that whatever we want to put out, we have to like be 100% behind it. And it's about the craft more than about the quantity. Um, so I guess quality over quantity. So I think that's kind of our motto with most of our stuff. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's definitely not the motto of social media. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's there's tension there. But, uh-huh. You know, but, we try. Yeah. yeah. So Plus, if you're always trying to put out content, that, that takes away from some valuable practice time. True. Right. Yeah. Which is something we need to do. I've seen some people that are more like in the like hip hop, pop, realm sort of things do these like i'm gonna you know write and release a song once a week for a year gimmicks and like really yeah there's a lot of people that do that i I mean if you're if you like produce your own stuff or if you work with an engineer and you're doing it all like on a computer you know it's a lot quicker than like tracking a whole band i can understand why the process is quicker but still a song is a song. And we were talking about before, like how sometimes songs need a few weeks yeah. to incubate mm-hmm. just to get the idea together. I can't imagine why would you want to rush art like that? Right. It would just be like generic at that point. Like, I yeah. feel like after your 30th song, you're like, okay, what do I sing about now? Right. You know, like, you, has anything interesting happened? Probably end up writing the same song over and over again yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, we're just riffing off of things you see or hear. Like, I, we, we try very hard not to fall in the trap of like, going down easy outs for songs when we're working on a part and just like pulling something from, you know, a popular song we know or like a popular genre. And I definitely think that if we wrote a song every week, we'd be like, uh, quick, what's, what's, what's an ending? What's, oh, uh, let, let's do this. And then just kind of like end the song, end the song or like no bridge, cut to this, cut to yeah, this. Yeah. It's just weird in general to have like a timeline on art. It just doesn't feel like that's something that should be be expected like um i've had people on the show where i like told somebody once it like i spent two years putting together an album and they looked at me like i was crazy it's like 12 songs if you're given everything the appropriate amount of time the band needs to learn the songs and then three months down the road something changes like you're gonna you want to wait for that evolution of stuff and like i can't imagine even wanting to like not go through that process. Right. You know, that's usually how songs end up better, especially with those changes. Like I know we've written songs and then a year later, a year after playing this song over and over again, pretty much the same way, somebody would be like, what if we just did this? And the song becomes, you know, so much better. Right. And if you're rushing the writing process, you're just, you're killing that chance. Yeah. To make the song better, which is really sad. Yeah. So, Mellow Scape, you seem pretty mellow about the landscape of the music that you all bring to the table, right? Oh, got shit. It. Was good. He got it. He got us. Good. Yeah. Wow. But is there any styles that you've maybe tried to experiment with that haven't quite worked out? Have you pushed it too far ever? Did like anybody question. bring like a you know, you like know, a hardcore song to the I, table one day. I was day. trying to write a polka once, but I don't think you guys... <laughs> we uh, we do remember have, that. We are waiting on a cowboy song from Robbie. Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's one time, never going to happen. One time, a long time ago, like it was probably like a year and a half or two years ago, Robbie was like, I got this idea. And he started to play this riff, and Nathaniel and I were both like... <laughs> Sorry. 
Like we just looked at each other and Nathaniel just tried to do this like like clip clop beat on the drums. And then and then Robbie was like, I, I just need vocal like like lyrics and we we're like, Oh, what about it? It's like a guy riding out of town. And Robbie yeah. just immediately was like, All right, well that song scrapped, like not, not, <laughs> not I don't even remember what it was. So No, honestly, I, we've been chasing that high for like eighteen months. But right. I don't I don't think there's any like genres that we've dipped into and then been like, Well, this is not us. I think what's happened more is we come in with like one of us will come in with a part of a song that's maybe like a hundred percent one genre, and then we kind of not water it down, put our own spin on it, and maybe it's less punk than it originally was, or it's less funk. You know, you know what I mean. And we kind of like pull it back and make it our own sound. But I don't think that's like disregarding a genre or a taste that we've tried. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think that you know, right now I with my band Normal Creatures, we're writing a bunch of new music, and I was like listening to I forget who it was there was some song that was on like a radio pop song and it was one of those songs that doesn't have a snare it's just like a driving kick rhythm the whole time Mm -hmm. and it's really catchy the only real changes happen in like in like the like chord and melody between the verse and the hook but the rhythm's pretty consistent throughout the track and I really like the feel of that because it gets like you can create something that's really hypnotic and we had never done anything like that right and like I don't think we've worked we've put like as much time into trying to make a song happen than that one. And we're still like not happy with it. Like I'm like so defiant about like trying to like bleed in too much. Cause I want it to have like this sound this particular way, but I think I just need to like open up the floodgates of what normal creatures normally is and just let it seep its way in. But that means there's going to be a fucking snare drum in there or something. I don't know. Right. There's a, there's plenty of ideas and ways to experiment with it, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like I think we pushed it too far. It's I not think, quite right yet. I think the fact that it's a challenge is probably a good thing because then you're at least you're thinking about it. Um, I you know there's a lot of songs that we've written where I like kind of default to the things that I play on the drums, and I'm like then I have to stop myself and I'm like okay I I play that for the last three songs like I gotta switch it up, and if it's not a challenge then it's too easy in my opinion you know. I think we all have isms for ourselves, like oh, Chaz isms on the bass, Robbie isms on the guitar. Definitely. So, yeah, but kind of going back to what you're saying about comfortableness and ego and how we were able to set that aside, I, I've noticed that over the past year or so, we've started to be able to call each other out on that. Mm. Like, uh, I noticed a couple months ago, I think Nathaniel was doing something he would typically do for a song. And, and you know, when you're starting off working through your thing, you kind of fall back on your comfort zone. And Robbie was like, hey, I, I really want you to do this. And it was something completely out of what Nathaniel would normally do. Uh, but it really helped the song. It out. was for the but, better. Yeah. I'm glad he you said that. Yeah, you're welcome. Otherwise, I would have just done the same thing. So it made the song better for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it really just takes like that outside person uh, in the in the unit who you've put your trust in. I mean, you decided to be in a band together. So you should all probably trust each other's ears and things like that it happens a lot with the metal band that i'm in with like drum ideas because like i'm not a drummer really but i make a lot of rap beats and i program a lot i have an understanding of like different rhythms and i listen to a lot of different kinds of music so sometimes i'll hear like something different for the drum part than maybe what our drummer is hearing. Cause he comes from more of like a straightforward punk rock background and doesn't really listen to a whole lot of like weirdo heavy metal stuff, which is fine. But sometimes I want to like pull the weirdo stuff out and like 
push him as a drummer to even sometimes like do less. A lot of times it's like, oh, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, do less, huh. yeah. like not yeah. even like, oh, like challenge yourself to play this ridiculous progressive drum fill thing. No, it's like pull it back. Right. And that's a big thing with metal too, even like working with guitar players, because it's like you do understand that like hmm. I understand it's like, okay, like the riff is the riff and this is heavy metal and it needs to be technical and badass, right? But there's also bass drums and vocals that are going to be happening here. Right. So are we writing a song or is this like a guitar clinic for you? Right. What are we doing? Yes. Right. And for it sure. makes it, if you give the guitars a little bit of rest during the song, when they do come in with like the dynamics, it, it makes it that much better. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I like to pull from John Frusciante of Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's all about space and his guitar playing, and I like to give these guys their space. Oh, thanks. For sure. Thank you're you. welcome. Um, I Because they're fantastic musicians, and you're right. It doesn't have to be a guitar clinic. Yeah. I'd rather it not be a guitar clinic. Yeah. Oh, same here, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, right. A rhythm section? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's so important. I mean, I guess it depends on like the, the, the kind of music that you're trying to make. But it's just ultimately like just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do it all the time. For sure. For sure. Right. And I think we've all gone to shows where it's not like a band is playing on stage. It's like four independent musicians are all playing sort of in the same time. You know what I mean? And you're kind of like, I, I like what that guy's doing and I like what that girl's doing and I like what that guy's doing, but I don't like what they're doing. Together. Yeah. 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 I think that that's, there's a lot of like discipline and I think just like respect for the other creators to like do that and to like be able to have that space. And I think it also helps having like a, a songwriting situation where like everybody is bringing something to the table and you're talking more about what's going on rather than having one person. It's like, I wrote this little song. This is how it is. Yeah. Big time. But I mean, like I'm sure there are people that do that, that, can write a song accordingly to give the proper space to everything. You know, it's going to be different for every composer. Right. Yeah. I think songwriting has changed for Mellowscape over the past four years that we've been a band. Definitely. Um, you know, shameless plug for our album basements, but basements came out this year, but it was all, it's made up of songs that we wrote basically in our first two years of being a band. Um, and at that point it was still me and Robbie and the two other guys, um, but all of the songs on that album were basically written by Robbie and I, like 50-50 split pretty much. Right. Um, and, and we didn't write them together. They were written pretty much separately. Yeah, like one of us would write a song and then bring it to the band and be like, okay, this is what Here we're going to play. Right. Um, but now, since writing those songs, we've written a lot more collaboratively, especially when Chaz joined. Um, so in my opinion, the songs are better that we're writing now. I think so. By Miles. Um so when our when we eventually do record the next album, that's going to be a pretty stark difference, in my opinion. Um, is the the upcoming songs are going to be that much better? So yeah, I think it's probably just and like attributed to the growing pains of like figuring out like what the band was going to sound like, your strengths and your weaknesses, and then you can like start writing songs accordingly. Given you know you have a better idea of like what a mellow escape song should sound like and right. like, you know, what uh guitar parts, bass parts, what your drum parts are like and how you can make all of that work to your advantage. Yeah, you gotta start from somewhere. I think I I'm not saying that I dislike the songs off of our first album. Um, but 
I think that it was a starting point that was really good that we could build off of to where we are now. So yeah, I think they're really fun songs and they're a lot simpler than we're writing stuff now. Um, and a lot just, it, they kind of capture the aesthetic of being in a basement show, mm-hmm. playing just your, your pop punk, your, your alternative, some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a lot just more simple. And like, like Nathaniel was saying, like the stuff we're writing now has a lot more depth to it. I would say, because we're doing it much more collaboratively. Yeah. I think, not to keep talking about basements, but that was the whole theme of it. The title is called Basements. It was the songs that we played when we were in the South O scene. Um, it was recorded in a basement? It was recorded in my basement. The yep. whole project was DIY. because um, Not necessarily because we love DIY stuff, but I think it was important for us to learn how to record stuff on our own before we ever had to you know, work with somebody else. Um, so I think... All of that together, the whole basements theme sounds very cohesive for that album. Uh, but I do think we're we're ready to move up. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Totally, totally. So in terms of what the band is doing now, it seems like you wrote some songs. Maybe you're playing a show or two. I don't know. You're just doing the thing. Mm-hmm. But outside of all of this ding dong being in a band stuff, right? What's everybody doing with their adult lives? Do we have anything anything fun that we're into outside of being creative? Or are we creative in ways that don't involve music, maybe outside of the band? Let's learn let's learn a bit about yeah, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Oh me. Yeah, oh yeah. We're yeah. starting with you. Um I don't do a, a ton outside of the band. Um I do most of like the videos for the band, so that takes up a lot of my time. Um but outside I just have a normal nine to five job. I hang out with people on the weekends. And other than that, the band is like a part-time job. So it takes up a lot of time <laughs> at this point. What, what kind of hobbies you got over there, Nathaniel? Oh, what kind man. of fun stuff do you like to do? Um, you know, I like to cook sometimes. Not all the time. I'm not a chef. Just putting that out there to everybody. I'm not a chef. But I like cooking. Um, I like coffee. I love exploring coffee shops in Pittsburgh. Robbie, do you want to save me here, please? Sure, sure. Um, I... <laughs> I work a I work a five a.m. to four p.m. blue collar job, mm-hmm. so really all my fun is is with Mellowscape as well. Uh, I do a lot of writing and everything in my off time from Mellowscape and my job. Um, other than that, not much. I also like coffee. Oh, I like to read, and um, that's pretty much it. I play piano too, but uh, that's about it. It's pretty boring. That's what I got. Hey, you know, I think that, well, we, we should probably get into Chaz real quick before I, I go into my yeah, tangent. Yeah, the most interesting. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I think that's a lie, but no, uh, I'm not. a grad student at Pitt, so mm-hmm. I kind of have like weird work hours because it's kind of like whenever I want to. Yeah. Um, but when I'm not doing band stuff, uh, I've been trying to teach myself guitar, which has been an, an experiment over the past six months. You're doing months. a really good job. Thanks, too. thanks Robbie. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm I'm really into camping and hiking, so I try to get out like at least once a month is kind of my goal to go camping. I just went last weekend, uh, just like totally unplug. We we've talked a lot about doing a mellowscape. Oh my god, that would be cabin so weekend or camping Yo, weekend. If we I could to leave do my it. phone at home for a week and just be in the woods, oh, it's just so it would nice. be so great. It's just yeah, beautiful. Like, that's yeah. like my favorite part about camping and stuff is like once I get on the road, I'm like, oh no, my phone died. I yeah, guess we'll see that getting Sunday away from night. us actually. That's it. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> no, and outside of that, I don't know. I have a lot of random hobbies. Uh, Robbie and I play tennis uh, every now and oh, then. Oh, true. Yeah, we, we like to do that. So, 
and I kick um, your ass. He <laughs> occasionally wins. I wouldn't say every he, time he kicks my ass. Uh, but yeah, that's we, we kind of all have eclectic tastes of, of what we do outside of Melescape. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that I do too much personally and I almost like envy in a way the idea of just like, yeah, I got a job and I have one band. I hang out with my friends. It's pretty chill. I feel like that seems great. Yeah, I I like that I can scale it back sometimes and be like, okay, so we had like a show for the band and we also released a few videos. So the next week and a half, I'm I'm gonna only go to practice pretty much and like scale it back yeah. on on my responsibilities. So it is nice to be a little bit flexible. Yeah, and I think that it it, lo- it allows you to give everything a more appropriate amount of attention. I believe I feel like I'm just always late on something or neglecting something or disappointing someone or it's just like it's never like everything's working because it's just it's too much. It's like I'm trying to do all these things and as a result, like other things suffer. Not that this is like my fucking therapy session or anything like that. I just speak your mind, Brian. (laughs) I just I I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think prioritizing your life and finding a healthy balance between like your artistic side and your rest and relaxation and then whatever other you know hubbub you got to do to financially support yourself it's good to have a good balance of those things i think having you know a life outside of your creative side like fuels your creative side a lot because like if you're not living your life, then what are you going to write about, you know, on your songs? Ooh, I'm going to write that down. Ooh. <laughs> also, I, you know, on, on the same th- thoroughfare for that is, um, I don't really understand the whole like grind culture thing. Cause I don't think yeah. it's, I literally don't think it's physically possible for somebody to be like, yeah, I'm always working on my music in the shower at the grocery store. I'm always thinking, I'm like, no, you're not, dude. You're thinking about the groceries that you're going to buy. You're thinking about the two in one soap and shampoo that you should probably not buy anymore. Like you're not, you're not on the grind, you know? Yeah. I think that the, the grind mentality goes back to that, like feeling socially obligated to post on social media every day and all that shit. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm really not, interested in being a part of that right but it's so easy to make for a long time anyways i felt like it was really easy for me to feel like i wasn't doing enough because of like seeing those outside influences but just like as i get older and fatter i just stop caring as much and just focus on like creating the art and putting it out and whoever sees it sees it like i'm not going to focus too much on the other shit like i am I'm an artist. That's what I wanted to do. If I wanted to be a, a marketing manager, then I would have gone to school for that and I wouldn't be doing art. I don't know. I think that's a great motto for any artistic project for a band. I mean, it took us four years to release an album, um, but I think the time was well worth it. I think in that time we grew a lot and yeah. we're so much better for it that we we took that time. We Yes, exactly. We did take our time, we which did. is important. Yeah. And we got Chaz in the process. So yeah. it was a big one all around. That, you know? that was wins for everybody. Win. Yeah. You ain't going anywhere. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't remember that in the contract, uh, but uh, ooh, it's ooh. there. Wait, our mom is still like paying you to hang out with us. <laughs> 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 that reminds me. Last check bounced. Got to go yeah, <laughs> shake right. her down for the money. Mm. So, in terms of like, where does the band like, do you have any sort of a 
I would imagine you probably don't have like some sort of a, a plan. Not no, I don't mean that in a bad way. It just seems like it's very go with the flow. We but like what's the what's the goal? Sh- we have a short term go- goal or two. Yeah, I think for sure. I think it's easiest for us to make um like two to three year short term mm-hmm. plans and the kind of you know hit that milestone and then keep going. I think making like a ten year plan would be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think our two to three year plans are good. Robbie, do you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, we. I can talk about this, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're already working. Like he said, yeah, that's right. You said this already. We're working on the second album. At least we're doing the demos for it. Um, and that'll take up another year, probably. Um, other than that, um, we're going to be doing more shows. We want to get some bands that we know together and actually host a show at some point. Um, and that's pretty much Festivals for next summer. That's oh, true. Like the other yeah, festivals. Yeah. Middle Music Festival, right? Yeah. And uh, Deutschtown. Yeah. yeah. And we also want to do um, Chaz is from like just outside of Philly. So we want to maybe do like a little mini weekend tour to Philly and play some shows there. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that those all seem like very achievable things. You know, I, I think that it seems like you have a very healthy balanced situation going on here and that's good it's nice to see yeah i have a i don't know i've been doing this podcast for a long time and the time is really irrelevant but what is relevant is like how many people i've talked to like you know this is we're we're in the 400s on the episodes now and it's just like really weird sometimes to like sit across from people that like I just don't see it happening. Mm. It just seems like it's so like the amount of pressure that they're putting on themselves and like where they're like allocating their funds mm. as a band. They have this whole idea of like if we just throw a lot of money at this, it's gonna work. There's never any conversation about like so how do you write songs? Like, you know, we have that conversation, right? And it's like, it doesn't turn into the entire podcast. It's right. like a, a three minute thing. And then the rest is, you know, we're talking about agents and all of this other boring stuff. Yeah. Do you see, do you like, would you want, so this is actually an interesting place to like, maybe take this conversation and maybe wrap up. Right. So there are some bands that have this idea where it's like, if we're not touring, where it's a failure, like it's not it. But, you know, I'm of the mindset of just like, if I'm happy doing it, then it's cool. And if something happens, then it happens. But also, I guess there's like this, well, you got to push somehow if you want something cool to happen. I find like I'm in between with like, like I want something cool to happen, but I don't want to like, like, I don't, I'm not like a, I don't, subscribe to like the idea of a band selling out but i think like i don't want to like cheat like my morality in order to like get to a certain spot but less about me more about you where are you at like do you want metal escape to be the biggest band on the planet or do you just want to hang out and enjoy this unit as you know family and friendship for however long it can i think that we don't have any like false illusions about what we could potentially be like, obviously, we would love to do a tour. Like, we would love to be outside of Pittsburgh and playing shows. But if we don't, we're not going to consider ourselves failures. I think 
it's more about us making our music and having a good time and reaching the successes that are reasonable. You know, I think two years ago, if you told us that we would release an album and be playing consistent shows uh, and be getting listeners that weren't just friends and families, we would have been like, that's fucking awesome. But now we're, we're setting sights for bigger things mm. without being like, yeah, Scandinavian tour by next year. And then after that, we're going to go to Europe and, and all that. I don't know if Scandinavia is in Europe, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's about setting realistic expectations right. for what we can do and what we want to do while making sure we just have fun in the meantime. Right. right. That's the important rule. We just always have fun. Doing yeah. yeah, it's work, but it's a lot of fun. It's I, fun work. I, I do think setting realistic expectations, like I was saying before with our like two to three year goals, have that realistic expectation and then maybe going a little bit above that and like trying that extra push or whatever. But I think, you know, having unrealistic expectations would definitely kill kill the vibe, as they say, mm. you know. So, you know, to take this whole conversation back to the beginning of the band and the beginning of the bros making noise together, right? Do you feel like that was any different then than it is now? I Was it the same idea? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. uh, like like I said, I, I came to Pittsburgh um, and then to go to Pitt and then I got my first apartment two years later um, and Robbie moved up to Pittsburgh. And you said, hey, I might want to start a band. You interested? Yeah. And that was it. And then our goal going back to goals, our goal at that point was, okay, we just want to write enough music to play enough shows to be established enough um, to record one album. Yeah. Just one album. Just that one. was, that was the goal. So yeah. we met that. Um, and now we're moving on from that, but I thought that was a pretty realistic goal for us. Mm-hmm. So, and it worked out. Yeah. I think that, you know, I don't know if this is something to do with genres, but it's interesting because like so much of like the heavy metal world is like you got to get a wall full of merch. You got to be touring. You got to get like on these. It's like there's like a there's no it doesn't feel like um like the short term goal thing. I don't really hear my friends in that community talking about it as much as people that are in like other genres of music. And I don't know what that is. That's something I would need to unpack with a metal band, I guess. Interesting. But it's like very, very common for like everybody that I know in the metal scene to be like way more high strung about doing bigger things. I wonder if that has to do with like because we're less defined as a genre. Like where our band doesn't fit into one specific genre, we have a little bit more wiggle with expectations. But if we had a lot of bands that you could also group us with exactly as a genre, not saying that we would all sound the same, but just being in that same genre, yeah, that that might fuel the intensity of almost like a competition level. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that there's just like this weird like romanticize like romanticizing the road in like punk rock and hardcore and heavy metal culture. Like you see all these like documentaries and about like being in the van and on the road and it's like really glorified. So I think it's like a lot of people sometimes in those genres of music will pick up instruments and learn because they want to go on tour. It's like the song Mm -hmm. isn't as important as just saying like I'm in a touring band or being a part of this lifestyle. Like there's a whole other lifestyle component to 
extreme music, regardless of subgenre, that sometimes you don't get, or at least I don't see it, maybe because I'm not as intimately involved in like an alternative rock. That's a really great point. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think if you if you render that down, it is like, you know, doing it for the right reasons versus the wrong reasons. And I personally feel like we're just here to write music that we want to write, and that's for the right reason. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I don't I don't know, Chaz, what's do you just want to be a rock and roll? Like, you know, icon. Yeah, you know, all the famous bassists that everyone knows. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we say this all the time, but like, I'd rather play a banging show that has like 40 people in the crowd in Pittsburgh at a cool bar mm-hmm. than go 100 miles away and play to 150, 200 people, but it just doesn't feel fun. You sure. Know what I mean? Sure, sure, yeah. sure. And I think we are kind of on the same page. For sure. Like when shows started becoming a possibility again, uh, earlier this year, like earlier, we we started playing again, like the late spring, early summer. Aprilish, yeah. yeah. We were just so happy to get up in front of people, playing a half hour set in front of people who were just happy to be there. That I would take that ten times out of ten compared to like the hassle of the road, you know, packing up our stuff and going somewhere. Obviously, if we get the chance to do that, we're doing it's it. That experience be, that'd yeah, be pretty yeah. dope. Yeah, but that's not what we think about day in and day out. Yeah, right. Cool. Well, I think that there's a lot to be learned from a band such as yourselves. If you find yourself being somebody that is more of a high strung musician or like your priorities are, I don't know. I feel like if you're in a band, the priority should always be the songs, but it's, it's really easy now to get distracted from that. I think so. Yeah. Well, before we wrap things up, is there anything that you want to tell the good people of the internet? Let's go down the line. Jazz, you start. Anything at all. Well, I mean, shameless plug here. Uh, Nathaniel mentioned earlier, we just dropped our first album, Basements. Uh, We dropped it in uh, August, Mm -hmm. a couple months ago. And we're really proud of it. We really love how the sound came out. Uh, So check it out. Spotify, YouTube Music, Apple Music, wherever you get your music. Um, And we're really proud of the artwork, too. Done by a good friend of mine, Jesse Armine. Use work you can find at Eldritch Tree Prints. Huge shout out. Yeah. Huge. Incredible. I mean, just take a look at the artwork and you're going to be blown away by the quality of stuff. So we just want to give a shout out for our album and for his work. And we're just uh, happy to be having a good time. Robbie? Uh, yeah. Um, support your friends. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There you go. doesn't have to be us, but you know, support your friends. Support your, um, your local bands. Go see their shows. Listen to their music. Um and and love each other. That's it from me. Love it, so. love it. There are so many bands in Pittsburgh, dude. So many hundreds. You thousands. can love them all if you want to. Um, but yeah, for my spiel, we we make music, we play shows, uh, we are on social media. I feel like I have to give this shameless plug. Um, Melloscape PGH stands for Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> we also make banging videos um, on our YouTube channel. Channel you can find that at Melloscape. Um, we make studio live sessions we also make fun vlogs um talking about personality earlier we have lots of personality and that's where we shine on youtube um and that's my spiel anything you want to say any last things you gotta say hashtag stay, stay, stay mellow, mellow. There you go. <laughs> well uh yes that is all folks thanks again for being here one more time mellow escape 
Yay. Yay. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2021. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for listening. And that's it. That's a podcast. Fantastic. Nice. Cool. Fucking giving me the sleepy juice. I am like, woof. I'm My plan works. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm feeling very mellow. Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs>